0: Today on Locked On Red Wings, David Perron's hat trick carries Detroit over the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J-A-W-W-J News Radio podcast. With Scotty's host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. And Scotty, I think it's a pretty obvious way to begin this episode, talking about the elephant in the room, and that would be David Perron's hat trick to carry the team over uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think before we get started, I will say that in segment three, we will talk about all the ELCs and the rumors, the unconfirmed, confirmed rumor about Marco Casper, as well as all the injury news and updates. Uh, but yeah, we had to kind of, I feel like we got to talk about the biggest, newest news first, and that, of course, is David Perron, Scotty, popping off for three goals. Red Wings' first hat-trick all season, I believe, and also his first hat-trick since May of last year. Great. Just a great feeling.
1: Great feeling. I, You know, I I was watching with a buddy of mine, and I I was, like, genuinely, we were sitting there and trying to think of the last hat-trick that the Wings had. And I couldn't recall it off the top of my head.
0: They had a few last year. They had... I know, obviously, there was Lucas Raymond's hat trick against right. the Chicago Blackhawks. But that was early in the season. I think they had one or two more after that. I feel like maybe Larkin had a hat trick. Maybe did Fabry's hat trick. I know Fabry had a, was Larkin's had a hat, hat trick.
1: trick. That was last season.
0: I I can't remember off the top of my head. Me, that's
1: was. what I am saying, dude. Like we were sitting there, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Like there goes the hats are flying. You Bertuzzi know, had one stadium. in the
0: home opener last year.
1: Right. Well, then the, yeah, the home openers like weirdly like where the last couple have been.
0: Yeah. Cause like I think Manta, Manta had, had one too.
1: Yeah. Manta had his on the home opener. It's just, it, it's, it was just weird. Like, a, like in the moment we were like, hang, like we can't even can't even remember when the last one of these was. Um, so yeah, nice to, n- nice to see that for sure. But um, on any time you beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm going to be a pretty happy camper. Um, so that's always good as well. But Uh, Yeah, Perron, and, you know, even before he got goal number two, right, when he was just sitting at one goal, even then, like, he was clearly having a really good game and was in his spot a lot, right, and uh, was constantly hanging out in the middle of the circle, kind of in that, like, OV area as well, and, um, yeah, had a really solid game.
0: Yeah, you know, and he's not the only one. This is a weird game to talk about. Obviously, the Perron hat trick is so cool, um, and Larkin got three points in this game as well, but it was bizarre because I felt as if the Red Wings came out of the gates firing all cylinders. I thought they had a great first period. Jonathan Bergren especially had a first fantastic period Jonathan
1: Bergren in this game might've been the best hockey player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, but seriously though, he was, he was phenomenal for the first 20. He was all over the place. He was out skating. Everyone. He had several opportunities, high danger at that, finally got rewarded later in the game. Like, he looked amazing in, in, in that first period.
0: And that sure. was playing on the fourth line as well with yeah. uh, Zarnick. And was it Luff he was playing with? I think I, be- I believe it was, it was Luff. Luff.
1: Where was Hiroshi playing?
0: Oh, you know what? He was probably fourth line. Let me double check on that. I have to Not scroll a, all the right way back. Marose, I'm drawing a blank baby. on that fourth you know, line. You know what
1: Hiroshi is? That's a dog.
0: It was, That's oh, I'm sorry, Bergen, Zarnick, and Ernie. To start there you the game. go. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but he, they, they looked great and then he, he weaved his way through the middle, drew a penalty and then he was rewarded on that power play. The Do you puck think that was, was close cleared. to a
1: shot by the way? Say that again. Do you think that was close to a penalty shot?
0: Uh I don't know. I don't think he was away away enough to warrant a penalty yeah. shot. It was close, but he definitely, I mean, he, made that happen by being so silky with his mitts and yeah, then he 100%. got rewarded as the second unit came out and he went out there with zarnick and it was a was it osterley i believe fed actually i have the stats up right here so i can just quick reference it uh joe valeno fed zarnick behind the net and it was a, a touch and go pass right to bergen who had just squeaked through to smith's and to smith had a bad game but it just squeaked through to smith's pads across the line and it was a really i want to give credit to zarnick too because i thought zarnick's had a really good couple of games since getting called back up. He's really proven his worth as that fringe NHL depth piece. And it it proved on this here as he got, and it may have just been, I don't know if it was power play, power play time, or it's about to expire. So go out there for five on five power play time. right? Because it came with one second left on the power play. Um, But regardless, you know, they they converted on the power play. And I was really happy for Birdring because I felt like he's been having a good couple of games and he's been having this massive dry spell Scoring wise, so seeing him get rewarded was super nice
1: hundred percent yeah he, he had a he had and I, I agree with with all of that too you know and and we can talk about the second period, i guess kind of transition to it because it really was a a fantastic first followed by a small train wreck of a second yeah, and it's like a domino effect. Yeah. And then the third, you know, they rebound and we'll get into the, we'll get into, I don't know. Do we want to break it down period by period? We haven't done that in a long time. Do you remember when, like back in the earlier days of like us hosting the show, that was like something we did sometimes where it was like period by period, like break it down. And that just hasn't been a thing with how this team plays like really these days or this season, but this game kind of feels like maybe reverting back to that because it was two, three very different storylines in each period. Yeah,
0: it, it really was, and I think I think a big part of it is because I will say this because people are tweet would tweet out like all oh, the Red Wings have had one shot on net through halfway through the second, but the Red Wings are also at a man disadvantage through the majority of the first half of the, that yeah. second period or just the second period in general, and if you look at the five on five statistics. Like, yeah, the Penguins technically had the edge in almost every single period, but it wasn't by a lot because there was so much of that game played at special teams. The five on five was actually really even the entire game. And I think throughout the entire game, when it was five on five, when Mulkin wasn't on the ice, because I thought Mulkin was unreal in this game. I thought that the Red Wings were the better team. Yeah. I mean, they blocked a ton of shots, but
1: as well. Man, Crosby I, had a couple of crazy pokes in this one.
0: It's just my, my point being here is I thought the Red Wings win this, when it was at even strength was the better team. That includes the second period. In fact, at five on five, the Red Wings had the edge at Corsi four in the second and in the third period, they had more shot attempts at five yeah. on five in the second and the third. In the second period is the one where they played bad, but that's because they kept drawing penalties and they kept going down a man. So They let up that first goal. The Penguins came out of the gate flying hard in the start of the second period, and the Red Wings did start sluggish. They got caught in their back foot, and then, bang, they got a penalty. The Penguins scored, then they drew a penalty, and then another penalty, five on three, two back-to-back goals. And it felt like it was unraveling. But after that, in the second half of the second period, the Red Wings found their footing again. They started to bring it back. And they obviously didn't score before the period ended, and – penguins got another power play but they didn't convert but you could feel the momentum kind of feeling like that okay the red wings aren't giving up previous games previous seasons the red wings are just fold, but they didn't fold in this game and that's what i really liked
1: oh yeah 100 and and the the not only the e- like even when they were giving up all the goals it was kind of like you know gotta look around you're like oh brother like here you know here we go again kind of thing but um in the third bouncing back and and honestly well there you go you can kind of see it I, I was gonna say kind of toward the end of the second more so than really the start of the third they uh is when they bounced back kind of in a in a big way so yeah nice to see I agree there, there's that's the kind of stuff that at this point in the season we're looking for anyway like we're looking yes. for like statements to be made and like storylines to follow in each game and you know not, blowing three goal leads and losing and being able to rebound from those and recover from blown leads is is I think something that everyone can kind of take.
0: Well unlike like right here in this so obviously you can see first period penguins take advantage, red wings come back, the two power plays helps they score. They score again really quick after that. The yeah. more Andrew Cop got a goal, your boy even, yeah, even man. Him, He's him been,
1: he continues to look really, I, I know, I, I know the first, whatever third of the season was not great, but he continues to look really solid in this calendar year.
0: I mean, two back-to-back goals, for the Red Wings again, they've been scoring in bunches a lot these last few, yeah. even the ones they lose scoring in bunches as these two goals came really fast back to back, more excited shot deflected by Kubelik penguins going to power play. They don't convert then Lindstrom. And this is, this is something too, that maybe I'll have to save for the second segment but the importance of carrying the puck into the zone, maintaining possession, led to that, what ended up being a Kuba League goal, but released by Lindstrom. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, just go to FanDuel.com slash lockdown and sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss out on your shot at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash lockdown to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're breaking down the seven to four uh, win over the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I was about to go into how. That Lindström Kubelik goal, his 18th of the season, as he's approaching 20 goals, bang for you know, his production has definitely slowed down in the second half of the season, but he's still, I mean, better than what we expected him to do uh, coming into the season, I think, for sure. I think 20 goals was the high end, and he's at 18 right now. So, um, but my point being here is that third goal in the first period doesn't happen if Larkin doesn't carry that puck across the blue line, maintain possession, and circle back, feed Osterle, and then Osterle. Find Lindstrom as the late man in. We've been talking so much, Scotty, about maintaining possession across the blue line. No dump and chase, no drop back passes. Just find a way to carry the puck across the blue line and things will happen.
1: Literally just zone entry. <laughs> like like li- just zone entry. Like literally just be able to enter the zone, as you said, without dumping and chasing or doing a dropback pass. And they were actually able to do that reasonably well in this hockey game.
0: And what's the thing is, is about that is if you carry that puck into the zone, and this is going to sound like so no doubt, but you carry that puck into the zone, you're capable of setting up. And that's what happened. They didn't score off the rush here. They broke into the zone. Larkin stopped, circled back towards the top of the blue line so his teammates could set up.
1: Unbelievable pass.
0: Yeah. Stop, and he
1: circles back, cross ice pass right on the stick. Beauty. Bingo. Uh,
0: but then second period happened and Pittsburgh Penguins brought it hard. Uh, they got a power play, got another call to go five on three and Mulkin did his thing. And then they scored again. And this is where things got interesting. Uh, Jeff Carter's goal to make it three to three where I, I tweeted out jokingly, um, that I was going to start spinning the tankathon wheel because it felt like things were just going to fall apart. Scotty was that goalie interference in your eyes?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's what, what, a close what? one it's a close one man i i, I don't want to be like the biased fan either like i don't want to just be like oh like you know no but i i understand i'll, I'll say this i do understand the implosion from the, the red wings really just in general i i understand the frustration that comes with that that entire situation was wild that entire like whatever it was minute and a half two minute stretch all around it was crazy too
0: yeah i i so here's my thing i think based on the precedent set by the nhl that that was goaltender interference but i don't think that jeff carter changed the result of what that puck was going to do now So that puck would have gone in regardless, and it would have been a goal. But the problem is, is if the precedent is if a goal, if a a player affects a goalie's ability to play the puck, and that's goalie interference, then that was goalie interference because he did shove his leg into the net. Now, when they called it a good goal, I, I mean, I thought, I mean like, okay, yeah, that should have been goal interference by your own rule book, but I was also like, okay, but that puck was going to go. I didn't get so heated like some other people did. I didn't get as heated as Lalone did, um, but I understand Lalone's frustration.
1: He gave us.
0: But but Lalone is the guy who's supposed to get upset about that because right. by the NHL's rule book, it was a goal. It was goalie interference. Jeff Carter pushed Nadelkovich's pad, which changed the trajectory of where his pad was going. I still think the puck was going to go in regardless, but right. you, the argument is there, like, that was goalie interference. Like, that puck doesn't cross. You can make the argument that puck doesn't cross well, the can't, line you 40. can't
1: play that game, though. Like you can't. Yeah. You shouldn't no. play, like, the, well, it was going in regardless. Exactly. Well, like, that's that's no. technically subjective. That's technically arbitrary. So, like, you can be 100% certain that it was going to go in anyway, but that doesn't matter because we don't know a meteor could have hit the break right at that moment and it never would have crossed the line. You know what I mean? Like that's that there's there's that's technically still subjective. So um, and there shouldn't be any subjectivity in especially a replay review. Yes, there shouldn't be any subjectivity like that. And um, so, yeah, I it's a it's touchy. It's it's iffy because. I I agree with you that it, like yeah, it, it probably was, <laughs> like it, it probably was. But I I think it's hard to look at the video, and I don't know. I I always go I always go back to like in the video stuff. Like, what do they? How do they word it? Like undisputed evidence. Yes. That's like the the big thing. And I think it's hard to look at that review and – well, not hard, but they came to the conclusion they came to, and that uh, was the opposite that I came to when watching the review.
0: No, but I, I agree with you. I, I was saying my, – my whole point was that puck was going to go in regardless, which is why I didn't get super upset about it. But what you said is true and what the NHL should have gone by. Right. Because – and Mickey Redman said it too – is. Did they make that call off an assumption that that puck was going in? Probably, but they shouldn't have done that because you can't ass- you can't make a call on an assumption. Like you said, it's subjective. You also so couldn't see, see the
1: puck very well. There was
0: one angle that definitely showed that puck crossed the line. Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree with you. But they they yeah i guess i i agree with you they did but it it was just it was weird like the bird's eye view was zero help and Mm -hmm. then they had like the one like back of the net kind of thing and that's the one where you could actually see it under the pad there but um yeah i i i'm very much of the belief that everything should be clear and undisputed if it's a replay especially when you're talking about like the call on the ice versus off the ice kind of thing i'd I don't know. I it, it's it's not the conclusion I came to, but I'm also in the same boat as you. Of like, I'm um, was very much not surprised when that was the call.
0: No, I wasn't either. But I honestly, I loved the reaction from Malone. I loved the fact that he got yeah, so same. fired up, he got kicked out of the game. Um, and you know, I understand it because you put your neck out there to try and change a result, and now you basically gave the Penguins over four minutes of consecutive power play time because you they went on the power play. Then you drew a second penalty. Uh, to go to five on three, and they scored, so that first one expired, and then they score again, and now you immediately give them another power play. So it was like five minutes of power play time consecutively, which is why the second period looked so skewed. But again, I'm telling you guys, right after that, the Red Wings came back alive, and that at five on five, the Red Wings were the better team in that second period overall. I yeah. think it was literally a tale of the first 10 minutes and the second 10 minutes of that second period. But overall, the Red Wings had a I mean, if you at five on five, I keep saying at five on five. I hate, I hate when I do that, but the Red Wings got outshot in the second period, everything considered 14 to four, which is sounds really bad, but considering the fact that they had five minutes of consecutive power play time with another two minutes at the end, that's almost half the period they spent on the power play. Of course, they're going to outshoot the Red Wings that badly, but when you make it to even strength, the Red Wings were only outshot eight to four at five, even strength. It was much, much closer. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't as if the only reason that second period looked as scudos as, as it was, was because the just the sheer amount of power plays that the Pittsburgh Penguins got. I agree. Uh, and then let's see about 19 minutes into this, I should probably take another quick break and then we can, I guess, break down period three.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Fair enough. Uh,
0: so yes, we will do that. We'll take another quick break when we come back. We'll talk about the four goal period three. Uh, take a look at the heat map hockey stat card and I'll let you know what moves were made, but Scotty, we have an off day Thursday's or Wednesday's episode is going to be mm-hmm. Thursday's episode is going to be technically an off day episode with the preview. So right. maybe we should save the actual full disclosure yeah. uh, disclosure discussion about all the injuries, call-ups and signings for that day. I agree. Okay. So I'll mention it at the end, but then we'll save the discussion for Thursday's episode. Stay tuned to lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Locked on Red Wings podcast. All right. Well, period three, the boys came back. They were back on their shit. It was a good period for the Detroit Red Wings.
1: They were back on their stuff. That is dang right. Um, yeah, no. They, they looked really good. They they punched him in the mouth. And uh, I kind of got a little bit nervous when, you know, they went up 4-3. And then, you know, Pittsburgh came right back and it was 4-4 again. I was like, man, that really sucks. And I thought that they were going to kind of crumble yet again, and yet again they did not. So, yeah, big big props because then to go from there and you blew a 3-0 lead and a 4-3 lead and you still won by three goals. That's That's a statement type of victory right there without your head coach for the entire third period.
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, you have, thankfully, this is why you bring guys like Bob uh Bugner on your Uh, coaching staff because they've had coaching experience. So Lalone gets kicked out and now you have Bugner who can take over. And like
1: the system's in place. Like it's, you know. It's
0: it's not rocket science. Right, It is rocket science, but the rocket science is already done by the time the player is on the ice. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah.
1: the the, You're not changing system proficiencies in the middle of the third period of a hockey game, but. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely it was nice to see. It was nice to see. Very nice. I don't want to call it a change of pace necessarily, but definitely something we're not very much used to, especially since the uh, trade deadline.
0: But yeah, David Perron's – I mean, he's got a he's got a spot, man. We he's talked about He's got a spot,
1: it. man. All of them were beauties.
0: I mean, the shot. So was the first goal. I have to look at this again and trying to remember what order these happened in. The first goal was the Dylan Larkin cross the offensive zone backhand pass from along the boards feeding David Perron for the shot for the lead. And that was Dylan Larkin's 69th point on the season and his that's first nice. point in that game. Uh, and then so the Red Wings, Larkin had three points, both Larkin and Perron had three points in the third period. Yeah, <laughs> like, that was That's how insane the third period was. But then of course, what 30 seconds later, the uh, penguins come down, this come down the ice, a scrum happens behind the net. Ned doesn't know where the puck is. Archibald, easy wraparound goal. And you're thinking, okay, well, that was fun. Well, it lasted. I'm glad that they did that with and got our hopes up like that. And you're thinking again, or I'm thinking again, like, uh, they just can't, they just can't seem to get away, but they got away. They ran away after that. That's for certain.
1: That is for certain. And yeah, I, all three Perron goals were very, very uh, on-brand Perron goals, I guess we'll call them. Oh, uh, but yeah, that third period, you know, I, I obviously he he was you know a, a big carrier, but um, Larkin looked good, and and I think we should we should give some flowers to Ned. Uh, you know, Nedeljkovic was he's go- taken a lot of heat this season. Uh, it's, it has not gone the way that a lot of people expected it to. I'm sure it's, it hasn't gone the way that he expected it to. And so to – I know he still gave up, you know, at the end of the day, four goals. But I, I don't think that he was, like, awful in this game. I don't think that the Penguins marched their way back in and, and like, the the three-goal-blown lead was Ned's fault, as you alluded to. That's a lot of power plays over and over and over again in the second period that uh, is a tall task for any goaltender to kind of be asked to uh, – go up against. So I, I was, I was pretty pleased with Ned. I, I have no, no complaints over what Ned did in that.
0: Yeah. He had a nine 10 percentage at five on five in this game. Uh, so just kind of two of those goals came on the power play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The only shot, the only goal I thought for his in hidden that was weak was the Archibald one where he just lost and just was stuck on the wrong post. Yeah, but again, sure. it's another situation. I thought he had a really, really good game. He was one save shy of bringing the overall save percentage in that game back to 900. Uh, I just was—I was almost hoping the Penguins would just throw a lob one on net with like 30 seconds left to get him up to <laughs> 40, 40 shots <laughs> on net, so he could have uh, 30 saves. But uh, no such luck for not 30 saves, more than 30 saves, but 36 saves yeah. uh, for Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, but I thought overall, yeah, he had a really good game, and he deserves it. And I think they play Carolina next on Thursday. And if that's the case, then do About we him? see him? I mean, he's already had a couple. He's had a couple of yeah, really okay. good games against Carolina. And I think, you know, they won with him in net tonight. He played well despite four goals allowed. You could run it back. You got a day off in between.
1: It was I'm trying to remember if the – game where I predicted the shutout down to the save number. Wasn't that a Ned revenge game? It was either that or that.
0: Cause he had a game with like 46 saves and a shutout. That was the one. That was the one, it, that that was that the one you Carolina? called it, but then he had another one where he allowed like one goal on 47 shots against the Bruins. And I can't remember which was which.
1: Right. Yeah. I feel like, I I feel like I remember it being uh, against Carol, whatever, either way though, I, he definitely already has, had a couple, so and I mean, who so? Uh, I mean, done for the year.
0: Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be. I mean, we can get into that if you want. There's a there's no. A lot no of, I mean,
1: we can. I, I think it's a the general conversation of what we're doing from there. We can save to tomorrow. But I think just immediately, the assumption that Ned is going to be in that for that game against Carolina is a pretty decent one.
0: Yeah. So. I don't know because both your
1: options here are like
0: you don't have an above 900 save percentage goalie right now. Uh, Well, that could be false. I actually don't know what Hellberg's save percentage with the Red Wings is currently, but you don't have a number one goalie. Let's put it that way. You don't have a number one goalie and that hurts and that hurts a lot. And so it's going to be hard to tell you as an eight, nine, five Hellberg. So, yeah, you don't have any goalie with a uh, 900 save percentage. Right now, and it's going to be tough to decide night in and night out which goalie to start. I think they just ride the hot hand, and Ned had a good game despite again four goals allowed. He had a good a good game in this one, and so I think they probably just run it back with we him. But really nice game, save
1: in the first. Oh yeah, I kind of I'm like diving it. across, glove thrown out there. Yeah.
0: So in the same vein, yeah, they could uh, they could go back to Nadelkovich, they could go to Helberg I think it could go either way I don't know we're gonna to have to wait and see I think it would make sense to go to Nadelkovich, as it is again the team that gave up on him if you want to see mm-hmm. him like ball out but I have no inkling other than that as to who would even start that game and he's not the who's not the only one who's hurt right
1: well no certainly not <laughs> <laughs> there's a laundry list
0: <laughs> yes so Zadina might be done for the year. I think we may have mentioned on Sunday's episode, Monday's episode, rather that Fabry might be done for the year or is done for the Fabry year. Fabry is that's is.
1: confirmed. Fabry right. is done for the year. Yes.
0: Who uh, so might be done for the year? Sherat. Yeah, we don't. Like, we don't even know what happened to Sherat.
1: Yeah, I don't. That's like a total question mark. No one even knows what's going on there. But that's. I mean, what do we? We only have like eight or nine games left, right? I mean, rest of the year is you know two weeks, so.
0: 10 games, I think. Yeah. There's 10 games left, something like that. So it's really... Uh, <laughs> so that that caused a flurry of moves. Edmondson has officially been brought up. He's not an emergency call-up anymore. Uh, Taro but they only
1: going to... They're going to cap him at nine games play. Yes,
0: that's why he didn't play in this game. They're going to... They're going to look at each individual opponent and decide which is the best to give Edmonds an ice time in. Yeah. That's why he didn't, even though it was a home game, he didn't play against the Penguins because the Penguins are a good team. Yeah. So they, they're trying Correct. to, yeah, that's yes. one way to put it. <laughs> they're, they're trying to put him in the best situations to succeed, essentially. Yeah. Uh, then there's Taro Hirose was called up in this game, played almost eight minutes. Almost eight minutes. I thought he looked pretty good in his limited ice time.
1: Taro Hirose, certified dog. Oh my goodness. Let me tell you.
0: But then, of you course,
1: you today. Taro dog. We're
0: moving right past that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that also, William Wallander was signed his ELC. He's coming to North America. He's going to finish the rest of the season uh, on an amateur tryout or professional mm-hmm. tryout, one of the two with the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, Carter Mazur signed his ELC, which we were hinting would probably happen Thank after they got goodness, eliminated. Dude, yes.
1: I was so nervous. I really was. I was, like, scared about that. His, his, like, decision on, you know, what's happening yeah. with that.
0: It, made, it just made sense for him to come to the pros now, but we've seen players be sentimental and want to run it back again regardless. I mean, yeah. hell. I, I, I
1: really, I thought he would. I really, at, at one point, I, especially, like, with the early bounce like that, I was like, oh, brother, like, I wish you won it all, dude. <laughs> like, I, I wish you, I wish Denver just routed everybody like they were supposed to, man. That really did scare me.
0: Yes, and then there's a rumor. It's an unconfirmed, confirmed thing. So Rogla posted on their website, thanks Mar- Marco Casper, saying he's going to go to North America now. But the Red Wings haven't said anything about it. So until the Red Wings confirm it, it's not confirmed, confirmed. But like,
1: but the team he is actively playing for kind of did. So he's like,
0: thanks. Have fun in North America. Right. So like,
1: kind of weird. <laughs>
0: I, so he's coming over, but I'm still just waiting on that extra confirmation. So you're sitting looking at a situation where the grand Rapids Griffin's depth just got right overnight. So much better. Yeah. They're getting Wallander who's a left shooting, but right side playing defenseman. You got Carter Mazer, who's turned into a gem from the second round as Wallander has also. Yeah, Wallander and then Marco Casper, your sixth overall pick from last year. So replacing your sixth overall pick from this year down in the grand Rapids, of course, different positions, but it just sounded nice saying it that way. Um, so the Grand Rapids Griffins' depth just got a lot better, and maybe if injuries stay crazy like this, because again you have Zarnik, Luff, Chason, who's also hurt, and uh, Hiroshi all up right now. Maybe you see Marco Casper, a William Wallander, a Mazer. Why That'd not? Crazy right? Crazy
1: dope. I mean, I'm down. That's what do you me just, Do it. Right.
0: Uh, So we will talk all about that at much greater length on Thursday's episode. Um, But before we go, I did also want to go wrap back up to that game we were just talking about and take a look at the hockey scorecard and compare it to the expected goals for percentage in this game because it's good beauty. So as expected, Larkin and Perron here, offensive juggernauts production and offensive wise. Oh, that's someone,
1: um, I totally missed over that. I wanted to talk about cider. He was pushing pace, bro. He was like great, like pedal to the metal, pushing pace offensively, um, to where like, he was getting like off sides, <laughs> like, like, uh, because of how much he was just like flooring it down the ice, especially early on in the game. I was uh, I, I loved it. I, I'm never going to be against that, but I, I was kind of surprised. He was really, really like pushing pace really aggressively. I, I, yeah, I loved it.
0: As you can see here, uh, or for those who are listening at home, Dylan Larkin or David Perron was the best player on the team on the hockey stack card. It makes sense considering he scored a hat trick in this game, which I don't even know if we gave enough love to the hat trick sick that we got, finally got a hat trick. Yeah. It's going to be so labeled cool. the David Perron hat trick episode. Uh, Defensive impact doesn't look favorably on him or Larkin. Larkin had an even better offensive and point production impact than David Perron, but a more significant defensive um, impact in a negative view, so he's second on the list overall. But then after that, you have Moritz Sider, Andrew Kopp, Jake Wallman, Pew Suter with almost 100% positive impact, just not as great as the other two's positive impact. But Moritz Sider, yeah. Andrew Kopp, Jake Wallman, Pew Suter, I agree, all had fantastic games in, in, in this one. You know, Pugh Suter is another guy who maybe got a little bit under looked in this game because of what everyone else was doing. But when he was on the ice, things were going the Red Wings way. Same thing with Andrew resign,
1: Cobb. Uh, are, we, are we still on the resign sign I'm
0: down. I'm down, honestly. This second too. half of the season has been night and day compared to the first half.
1: Yeah, I'm very down.
0: And then, of course, Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider are exactly what Jake Wallman and Moritz Sider are, which is great. They are who we <laughs>
1: thought they were, baby.
0: Seriously, uh, and then Olimada, hes had a really rough. Ever since he signed his contract, he's been pretty, sick, pretty.
1: He's been toward the bottom of all yeah. of these lists since signing his extension. Yes.
0: And he and Haig—they—they—they uh, they, they looked rough. A lot of those goals were with them out there on the ice, and that's that's rough. But even the expected goals four percentage shares a lot of that. Loff and Horosi led the team in expected goals four percentage, but again. Nine minutes ice time, eight minutes ice time at even strength. So let's pump the brakes, Scotty, and the Hiroshi train. Uh, once we get to the players, you actually played a lot of Hey, show
1: me, show me the dog metric, Brian. Show me that. Yeah.
0: I, You know, I only rag on Hiroshi just because you love him so much. I actually don't even <laughs> mind him as a player. I think he's I really he's really great at the AHL level, and I think he's fine when he comes up the NHL. I just like to give you crap. So show Taro Hiroshi, if you ever hear uh, this.
1: Show me okay. that dog metric. He'll be, he'll be <laughs> at the top. Let me tell if, you
0: if Rossi ever listens to this, I just hope he understands that when I give him crap, it's only because you love him so much and not because <laughs> I actually think he's bad. Uh, it's just fun to mess with you, but obviously heart, Brian. Jake Wallman, Moritz Sider, Andrew Kopp, Jonathan Bergeron were your top four. Um, when you talk about guys who played over 10 minutes of ice time yeah. and they all had over 50% expected goal of four percentages. They were fantastic in every which way form. And yeah, that's about, does it? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, Red Wings win. We'll talk all the ELCs and possible impacts of that tomorrow, along with the game preview. So, Scott, any final thoughts? We ball. Cool. Be back tomorrow. Same time, same place to your team every day.
1: Every day.